Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. little tip for relatively uh, more recent listeners to the podcast. When Jim opens the morning jolt by talking about how nice the weather is the day after an election, chances are things went pretty well for Republicans the night before. And so that's exactly what we're talking about today. And uh, we're going to do it in three different uh, installments. We're going to devote the first one entirely to Virginia. We've said it over and over again over this election year, Jim. Republicans had not won a statewide race in 12 years since the election right after the uh, first election of Barack Obama as president. But that's exactly where we are now with Glenn Youngkin as the governor-elect of Virginia. It was excruciatingly slow to get the calls on that last night when it seemed fairly clear in the first couple hours after the polls closed that things were definitely headed in that direction. Uh, multiple media outlets have now called Winsome Sears as the lieutenant governor-elect. And uh, Jason Miaras, the uh, GOP candidate for attorney general, has declared victory. That one last I saw was about a 30,000 vote difference, so I haven't seen any official calls on that. But it's looking good. Uh, Republicans had been down 55-45 in the House of Delegates. All of those seats were on the ballot yesterday. Republicans, it looks like, picked up six seats. And if that holds on, uh, they will have the majority, narrowly, 51-49. And so, uh, Jim, it's just fascinating to watch what we hoped would happen actually happen in Virginia. The big issue, of course, for Glenn Youngkin was the schools, and he obviously recognized that in his victory speech last night. We're going to introduce choice within our public school system. We're going to start with 20 charter schools, and we are going to make a down payment and close the gap on giving parents an opportunity to select where their kids go to school. Friends, we're going to embrace our parents, not ignore them. We're going to press forward with a curriculum that includes listening to parents' input, a curriculum that allows our children to run as fast as they can, teaching them how to think, enabling their dreams to soar. Friends, we are going to reestablish excellence in our schools. School choice is such a huge winner for Republicans. Good on Youngkin for for making that uh, central focus of the campaign, although the details of what was going on in Loudoun County and beyond certainly uh, steered him in that direction. Winsome Sears last night talking about the need to end divisiveness and saying her story is a perfect example of how awesome America is. There are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice. And here I am living proof. Jim, hard to imagine a better night for Republicans in Virginia. I was going to say, uh, Greg, I don't know about you, but the sun was shining a little brighter this morning. The the air did smell a little sweeter and the birds were tweeting just a little more kindly as I as I strolled out and looked out. And I realized Election Day 2021 really it's very hard to see how it could have gone better for Republicans uh, than it did. Maybe one or two of those state legislative races. But beyond that, this this was, you know, ideal. And I was thinking about one of my 
schools of thought is that politics in, in certainly in, our, in most of our lifetimes has this pendulum effect. Uh, neither party has figured out how to create a sustainable platform, agenda, attitude, set of values, set of priorities. And we've had wave elections, you could argue, going back, you know, 2006, 2004, uh, 2000, 2002, probably the last two years that the president's party did well in a midterm. And so, uh, you know, cycle after cycle, somebody wins the presidential election and then they generally do bad in the midterm elections. And other than Terry McAuliffe winning in 2013, a bit of an irony, that was the only time the Virginia governor's, the winner of the Virginia governor's race was the same party as the occupant of the White House. So in some ways, we were expecting Republicans to do well. And I figured, okay, well, we're in some sort of phenomenon that's similar to the 2008, 2009, 2010 scenario, where a Democrat wins, Newsweek declares we're all socialists now, they've got this giant spending bill that they say is going to solve all of America's economic problems. It doesn't. Voters are disappointed. Voters are frustrated. They take it out on Democratic candidates in places like uh, Virginia and New Jersey, and uh, Republicans go on to have a really good midterm. And I still think that's a likely kind of sense of how things are moving in the country. But I think this is almost a little sweeter because 2009 was good, but it was more or less expected. Uh, polling had Bob McDonald way ahead that cycle up against Cree Deeds, and Chris Christie was uh, steadily ahead by a smaller margin in most of the polling back in 2009, if I'm remembering correctly. Last night, you know, some the polls had it close, and a couple of them had Yunkin up by a point or two. Um, but nobody, there was an outlier of the Fox News poll, but it was still very much uh, kind of a jump ball. And when you heard the reports throughout the day of turnout being really high, look, for a long time in American politics, yes, higher, you know, higher turnout generally was good for Democrats and lower turnout generally was good for Republicans. That's why you heard the jokes about, you know, rain is Republican weather and things like that. Well, that era appears to be done. Yesterday was a record turnout for Republicans and Repu record turnout for a gubernatorial election here in Virginia. And Republicans won big. Democrats no longer high turnout is no longer always good news for Democrats. And that is a significant effort. And I think Democrats now have to kind of wonder if, you know, all those flyers, all those commercials, all those messaging they did of saying Glenn Youngkin is just like Donald Trump. Well, maybe that brought out all the Donald Trump voters. Maybe you guys didn't target all that correctly. Maybe this thing that you thought was an automatic negative against this candidate wasn't such a negative message in some parts of the state. And because one of the things that's worth noting, yes, the suburbs are a huge story. It is really significant that Glenn Youngkin did so much better in Loudoun. By the way, he did better than obviously the Republicans had been doing in Fairfax County. Uh, Arlington and Alexandria are still pretty darn blue. But again, if you're a Republican, you don't need to win those, those counties, those localities. You just need to do better. And that's what Glenn Youngkin did. But I think what's really fascinating is that Glenn Youngkin did even better than Donald Trump in the rural counties. There is this map where it basically measures the share of the Republican vote in the gubernatorial election of this year compared to the presidential election of 2020. And it's basically every county has a red arrow pointing in the direction to the right. Republicans did better in just about every county. A couple of places they did a little bit better. A whole lot of counties, they did a whole lot better just across the board. And pretty much every demographic, I think the only demographic that Youngkin did not do better than Trump was African-American men. It was like by a percentage point or something like that. Um, Republicans figured it out. This should utterly dispel this argument that, you know, Virginia is a blue state and Republicans can't win here anymore. And 
too many immigrants came in or too many transplants from other parts of the country and spillover of liberals from from Washington, D.C. No, no, that is not the case. It turns out that if you talk to people about what matters most to their lives, and schools are really darn important, particularly after a pandemic that closed schools for at least a year, that resonates with people in a way. Um, I also think that as much as usually it's the losing party that likes to say, ah, our candidate was terrible. It wasn't a rejection of us on the issues. Um, and the winning party always wants to say, no, 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 you know, it was a rejection of the issues. We should observe Terry McAuliffe is a terrible candidate. He, he's a terrible candidate. And his statement about, you know, I don't want parents telling schools what to teach was, an, you know, it's going to go right up there with Martha Coakley scoffing at the moment at the idea of campaigning amongst Red Sox fans outside Fenway Hall, arguably one of the most self-destructive comments of all time. We now see that the desperate flop sweat coming from Terry McAuliffe these last couple of weeks was because clearly his internal polls were showing the same thing that the public ones were, or maybe even worse. And I think in the end, you know, all those ads that he ran on abortion didn't work. Uh, Glenn Youngkin did very well amongst uh, white women, of course, did better amongst African-American women across the state. Um, this is just a top to bottom drubbing of Democrats. And let's also observe that as, you know, for all the flaws of Terry McAuliffe and, and the, the Democrats in this state, look, it's not like he could say, ask the incumbent governor to help him drive up African-American turnout. Right. Um, the, you know, that despite, you know, all of all of this, it also is worth noting, look, the economy is not great. The uh, inflation is bad. We have supply chain issues. Grocery prices are up. By the way, let's not underestimate Glenn, Lunkin, Glenn Youngkin saying he's going to repeal taxes on groceries. Uh, gas prices are up. People are not feeling good about the state of the country. They're going to take it out on the incumbent party. And that's what, I, what happened here in Virginia. I think it happened in a bunch of other places, uh, which we'll talk about a bit more in this podcast. And I think it just, you know, if you're on the right side of the spectrum, it's been a long time since you've had a really terrific election day. Um, and I think this is a re- very strong indicator of how things are going to shake out in 2022. In addition to the fact that things are looking very good in the statewide races, we mentioned that the House of Delegates, narrowly, 5149, should be back in Republican hands. Uh, the state Senate was not on the ballot. That's every four years. Um, so they'll be up in, in 23. But it's 2119. Democrats control that. So Republicans would need to flip one Democrat on, on any significant piece of legislation they want to get passed. And then Winsome Sears could break the tie. So the opportunity to uh, to get some significant things done here is uh, is certainly out there. All right. Well, we'll get on to uh, our other good martinis in just a moment, um, including what's happening in New Jersey as of this recording. But in the meantime, uh, you still need to pay attention to what's going on uh, online and not just with election results that you're tracking and refreshing over and over and over again. It's about your Internet privacy. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be, well, private. What's changed? The Internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched, watched, tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your public record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone's online, everyone's a public figure. So to keep your data private, when you go online, turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address, and data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server, and your IP address is masked. And every time you turn on ExpressVPN, 
you're given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify you and harvest your data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, whether it's a phone or a laptop or a smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. So look, if you're like us and you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash martini and get three extra months for free. That's right. expressvpn.com slash martini. Go to expressvpn.com slash martini to learn more. All right, Jim, let's talk a little bit about New Jersey. This race has not been called yet for the governor's race, which in and of itself is unbelievable, phenomenal news. Uh, When you were off in Dallas, John Gabriel and I talked about the fact that Jack Chatterelli in one poll had narrowed this race to six points. All the others seem to suggest a wider uh, lead for Phil Murphy, but then people actually voted. And as of right now, we're recording here around noon Eastern time on Wednesday, 88% of the vote is in, and Phil Murphy has now slipped back ahead by about 7,000 votes. And when you look at where the votes have yet to be counted, he'll probably end up getting reelected, but by a very narrow margin, certainly a microscopic margin compared to what was expected. Jim, you may have looked at the legislative races. I haven't had a chance to do that, so I don't know what the uh, impact was of this down ballot. But basically, we're seeing now that uh, if New Jersey turned into a toss-up, that come next year in the midterm elections, especially with Democrats uh, vowing to fight on and, and pass this uh, increasingly unpopular and really expensive legislation up on Capitol Hill, uh, they're not learning their lessons. And that could be very good news for Republicans, not only this year, but next year. Indeed. And, you know, you don't want to say uh, I don't I understand why people say, ah, oh, you know, moral victories, you know, either you win the race or you don't. And, and you know, but look, for, for Chatterelli, and let's face it. How many of us knew how to pronounce his name before yesterday? Um, you know, like he, this is a state Biden won by 16. This was not supposed to be close. Yeah, there were a couple of polls that had him within four points, but most of them had Murphy up by eight points, nine, 10, 11, stuff like that. Were there people who were upset with Phil Murphy and his leadership during the pandemic? Yes. And you figure that might have been fertile ground. Um, he's Murphy was the governor who broke his own quarantine uh, restrictions because he wanted to go to a Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, there, there was room there for criticism, but I don't think you can say that Republicans gave uh, uh, made this race a really high priority. They, you, know, you know, New Jersey is a pretty darn Democratic state other than Chris Christie over the last really over the last couple of decades, certainly over the last couple of years. And there, this is an indicator that, OK, this isn't just Glenn Youngkin being a good candidate and. Uh, Terry McAuliffe being a bad one. There has been a major shift in this country. And the simplest and what strikes me as the most plausible explanation is that, you know, Joe Biden won in 2020 because Americans were fed up with the pandemic and fed up with Donald Trump, but they did not sign on for the entire leftist progressive agenda. If they wanted to, first of all, Democrats hadn't even signed on for the whole leftist progressive agenda because if they wanted that, they would have nominated Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden was elected because he wasn't Bernie Sanders. And then shortly after he was elected, maybe it's that meeting with the historians who told him he could be the next FDR or LBJ or something like that. Um, For some reason, Joe Biden has not been a centrist or a moderate or a break on his party at all. And he's, in fact, basically been uh, encouraging the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's of the world. And, uh, you know, this people are fed up with it. This is just not what they vote. They want to get back to normal. They want to get back to stability. They want to get back to life being predictable. 
And one part of the problem is that the economy is not doing as well as people expected. I mean, gas prices, but people pay a lot of attention to kitchen table issues when they can't afford to put as much on their kitchen table. Like that's a good way of thinking of this. And the second thing is, is that, you know, New Jersey and the other blue states have been slower to reopen their economies, uh, let kids take masks off, get back to normal life after the pandemic, even though cases, hospitalizations and deaths are way down. This caught up to Democrats. Not enough to cost Phil Murphy his governorship, at least as of this hour, but it cost him a bunch and that they now have to really, really sweat a race that they thought was going to be a gimme. And I did look at the state legislative races as of a few, let's say two hours ago or something. I believe Republicans have picked up eight seats. Now, look, they were splitting something like 60 some to 20 some. So it's, this is not going to make, the, you know, make up the margin all by itself, but it's still a pretty significant gain. The outlook right now, if Republicans are doing well in places like Virginia and and New Jersey, well, then it's going to be Katie bar the door in places like uh, Florida and and Texas. But not just that, the Ohio's, the Pennsylvania's, the Wisconsin's, uh, New Hampshire in that Senate race with Maggie Hassan, uh, Arizona, Georgia, you know, Democrats have we should be uh, wearing brown pants, shall we say, to use the joke (laughs) from Deadpool. Uh, as they contemplate the 2022 midterms, I'll talk a bit in the next martini about what Democrats could do. Um, but by and large, like they they really thought that, you know, castigating the other side as being racist and, and you know, sexist and homophobic and identity politics and we need socialism and all that stuff. It just you know, it was blown up in their faces. And Greg, it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Talk about not learning your lesson. Let's talk about that just for a minute before we move on to our final good martini. Uh, Tim Kaine, who, as Jim likes to point out at one time, was the Democratic vice presidential nominee that nobody remembers. Uh, he says, True fact. True fact, <laughs> listeners. Nobody, you have to go back and look it up. But it turns out he was on the ballot in 2016. It's true. Fact, this also just handed to me. Another shocking thing. You, you really got to get into the news. turns out Tim Kaine exists. <laughs> So he says Terry McAuliffe was a solid candidate, and it's the responsibility of congressional Democrats. Uh, They're to blame for this loss because the moderates were too purist and the progressives were too purist. They couldn't come together and get stuff done to help Terry McAuliffe. Because, you know, that's why they're there, is to help Terry McAuliffe. Uh, He couched it a little bit as, you know, uh, they expect people expect Democrats to get stuff done and they couldn't. And that supposedly hurt Terry McAuliffe. But uh, that's considered rational compared to what was happening on cable news last night. I know for a lot of people on the right, the schadenfreude of watching uh, MSNBC or uh, CNN when Republicans have a good election night is very difficult to pass up. Just a couple of quick clips here. Here's Van Jones uh, explaining what he thinks Glenn Youngkin might represent in terms of the future of politics. Have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Youngkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. Over on MSNBC, uh, Nicole Wallace once again telling parents, hey, that thing you're really concerned about in your schools isn't real. I think that the, the real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection endorsed Republican. What do Democrats do about that? Keep talking like that. That's what you should do because it'll mean really good election nights in perpetuity. I was going to say, this is very Marxist, you have false consciousness vibe to when Democrats talk about voters who don't vote the way they want them to. 
Um, you don't really know what's in your best interest. You have been fooled. You've been lulled into disinformation, probably Russian disinformation on Facebook or something <laughs> like that. Or Fox News has brainwashed you or, or something like that. And there are times in the past I have, uh, out of all the, probably the left of center commentators, Van Jones is probably one of the, one I like the most, or, or he's, he's up there. Um, a lot of times he's rational and reasonable. This is not one of his rational, reasonable takes. And I just want to observe, if you want Republicans to turn away from Donald Trump, if you want to, if you, if your position is, and I think there's a, this, I think this is a reasonable conclusion that Donald Trump is something different, that Donald Trump is uniquely hostile to the constitution, that he is uniquely narcissistic, that he is uniquely bad, then you can't say every other Republican is as bad as Trump. Because if people hear, oh, every Republican is as bad as Trump, and they agree with, like, like, oh, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a Trumpist then, right? If you believe that Trumpism is a unique threat to the Constitution, a unique threat to the country, a unique threat to our values, then you can't run around and say that the guy who's wearing the fleece who reminds everybody of Mitt Romney is every bit as bad. Oh, by the way, let's point out that the Mitt Romney, you know, when he voted to impeachment, he was the hero of the left, and then the moment he turned around and started voting conservative again. Oh, you know, that damn Mitt Romney, blah, 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 blah. You know, it is one of those things where people recognize if your operating system or your operating belief is that all Republicans are evil, they will not draw distinctions amongst Republicans. So Democrats have to think long and hard about what they want to do here. Because if your argument is that Glenn Youngkin is just as bad as Trump, a lot of Republicans are going to say, okay, well, you know what? I should vote for, for Trump then. You deserve Trump if you run around and see all Republicans is exactly the same. Um, and it, it's astonishingly wrong. But like, I, I can't think of it. I, I'm kind of surprised by the way I feel this morning, Greg, because on the one hand, this is a really terrific day for, for Republicans. It's a really terrific day for conservatives. It's a really terrific day for everybody who is frustrated by the woke social justice warrior, progressive, hard left. But I don't just want the win, which is nice. I also would like those on the hard left to say, you know what? We screwed up. Every once in a while, leftists will see, oh, we really screwed up on that, right? You don't see them saying abolish ICE anymore, although some might argue with, with, with Biden's policies. They haven't abolished ICE. They've just kind of de-emphasized ICE. Um, but this idea, I want them to admit we screwed up. The country did not vote for hard leftism. We are, we are way too obsessed with identity politics. We are way too quick to demonize people who disagree with us. And we are not focusing on what people really worry about. And I just, I want them to say that. They will not say that. They're going to lose more. And I can live with that very happily. But it's one of those things. The country would be better off if the hard left commentators don't run around and say, oh, you know, the state that voted for Biden a year ago by 10 points. They're all racist now. No, that's a <laughs> dumb analysis. That is a stupid analysis, and you should feel stupid for making that analysis. Okay. But, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, you know what helps you sleep well at night? Winning elections definitely helps. Your <laughs> your team winning the most recent game. You, don't, you and I don't have a ton of experience with that, although you did last Sunday. But the best possible products on your bed. Pillows, sheets, mattress toppers, the whole deal. And Giza Dream Sheets are as good as you're going to get when it comes to sheets for your bed. My absolute favorite bed sheets. Have them on the bed all the time. As soon as it's time to wash them, uh, we put them right back on the bed. So there's nothing better than slipping into bed with those Giza Dream Sheets. And for a limited time, you can buy one and get another set free of Giza Dream Sheets when you use our promo code MARTINI at MyPillow.com. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. 
The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, as well as a one-year limited warranty. Now for a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener's square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim. A number of other election results uh, came in last night that are leaving us smiling for sure. The Minneapolis voters decided it might be a good idea to keep their police department around. Uh, They were uh, voting on a referendum that would have uh, ended the police department and created a Department of Public Safety. I didn't. I don't know exactly what the changes would have been, but uh, uh, I think voters saw enough there over the past year and a half to not want to go down that road. Uh, apparently, a socialist won the Democratic primary for mayor of Buffalo. The incumbent mayor then became a write-in candidate, and it looks like he won the uh, write-in uh, race. Uh, and so there will not be a socialist mayor of Buffalo. It looks like the city attorney in Seattle will be a Republican. Wrap your mind around that if you can. Uh, Big wins locally, especially on Long Island, but elsewhere in New York for the Republican Party. Uh, Eric Adams, the Democrat, did win the New York City mayoral race over Curtis Sliwa by a very wide margin, as we kind of expected. But if you go back to the Democratic primary, of the viable Democratic candidates, he seems to be by far the most rational. He's going to do plenty of things we don't like, but uh, he is pro-police, at least compared to most Democrats, and he uh, claims to be pro-business. So uh, hopefully uh, there's going to be a massive improvement there compared to Bill de Blasio. It would be pretty hard not to. And Jim, uh, by the way, you did an excellent job of summarizing these other results in the morning jolt today. Uh, You also mentioned the two ballot initiatives out of eight that passed in Texas uh, yesterday, but the two most important being that uh, the government cannot uh, restrict religious services, obviously a response to COVID uh, policy there, and also uh, I think one that uh, everyone would love, and by the margins, uh, they certainly do, and that's that uh, every person in an assisted living or a nursing home can have one person who's like their designated caregiver that can always have access to the facility. So no more of this people in, uh, in, in the nursing homes and maybe even hospitals who have to just stay there alone endlessly uh, during a lockdown like we just had. So uh, other things maybe didn't go our way last night, but a lot of encouraging things, uh, even in places where Democrats still won, that seems like the more sane Democrat won. Greg, if you think you and I are feeling good this morning about how last night's elections went, <laughs> imagine how New York City groundhogs feel. <laughs> Bill de Blasio's going. Now, New York City groundhogs can live in safety, security, not just from crime, but also knowing that the mayor's not going to murder them. Um, so in addition, you, 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 you went through the, the, the fast. Look, these mayoral elections probably aren't a big deal unless you live in those localities. But, you know, all of the things being equal, if Buffalo had elected a socialist mayor, you know, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's of the world would be saying, look, Socialism works. Socialism is popular. We need more socialism. Um, you, know, you know, if the if abolish the police had worked in Minneapolis, that idea was going to spread. The fact that you couldn't get more than 44 percent of the people to support abolishing the police and replacing with a public safety department. And I 
Greg, I assume it would mean more than new uniform patches uh, and a new logo on the letterhead. I assume it'd be something more than that. You know, the fact that it couldn't do that. If, if Look, if Abolish the Police isn't going to sell in Minneapolis, it's not going to sell anywhere else. And that idea actually in the past year really has uh, support for it has evaporated amongst Democrats, by and large, at least amongst Democratic office holders. Um, two other things just kind of add to throw onto that list there. Uh, down in Miami, Republican Mayor uh, Francis Suarez uh, already pretty darn popular, had 78% in his re-election bid, so he's doing quite fine. Um, and not something that really was under the radar, but I just think it's kind of interesting. Three counties in Virginia had ballot initiatives to either remove or re- relocate Confederate monuments. All three were rejected. None of them won more than 33%. Now, your your mileage may vary. I'm not sure I love every single Confederate monument, but I do think it's a very important thing to you know like let public weigh in on this. Uh, and what they think this should be done with these statues. And in all three of these cases, the people are like, nope, nope, don't do that. So um, on pretty much every front, conservatives did pretty darn well. And I think this is a very clear message from the electorate. Stop it. You're going too far. This is not what we voted for. This is not what we asked for. We have real problems in our lives that you're not doing anything about. Stop lecturing us and start trying to solve some of these problems. And we will see if Democrats listen. It's not a guarantee, but uh, you know, it's hard to envision a clearer message from the electorate than what uh, voters delivered last night. Absolutely right. And the message to Republicans, do what you promised to do. Don't go off into uh, all other areas that uh, you didn't campaign on. If you know things pop up and you have to deal with it, that's fine. But uh, learn from what the Democrats did wrong here. So the next time you're on the ballot, you don't end up with the same fate as them. So uh, stay strong, uh, adhere to your principles, and do what you promised to do. Hopefully it's that simple, but uh, we'll find out. Jim, uh, I hope we have three more great martinis tomorrow. be pretty hard to top these, but uh, we'll try. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. We're always, always grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Please keep those coming. We uh, also want to remind you that you can get us on those home devices. Just say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hey guys, we know it's hard to keep up with all the news these days, but don't worry because we are here to talk about all the things. Biden's approval rates continue to fall with there being no progress on his infrastructure bill. The United Nations Climate Conference has begun and people are worried about grocery shortages as the holidays approach. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.